AT&T Threat Track is a roundtable discussion of security trends and news. Full video of this program can be found on YouTube by searching for AT&T Threat Track. So Ganesh, why don't you tell us about this, uh, this new high-risk vulnerability that's affecting Apache Tomcat? Okay, yeah. This is called GhostCat, and I'll explain uh, why it's um, really critical at this point of time. We all know Tomcat is there since maybe 20 years, long as long time. as I think uh, almost it goes hand in hand with the Java. Mm -hmm. It's used as a middleware for uh, Java middleware servers, right? So this GhostCat typically targets a Tomcat AGP protocol. So what it does is basically, I think it can give any attacker like ability to read a file, maybe directories. Also sometimes depending on the permissions, I think they can upload some sort of file which can trigger okay. some action later point of time. Right. These are the two vulnerabilities. Uh, but the thing it's so critical is it almost affects all the versions like 9.x, 8.x, 7.x, 6.x. Mm -hmm. If you look, look back all these versions, Basically, any version released in the last 13 years are affected. Wow. And I think all these years it's been dormant and nobody basically figured it out. Yeah. And uh, the score, CVS score given for this is 9.8 out of 10. Oh, wow. Which okay. is a very high rating. <laughs> yes, that is very high rating. Uh, any way you slice it, it's very high rating. Yes. Um, coming to the Tomcat, I think in default configurations, it has two connectors one HTTP connector typically listens on port 8080, mm -hmm. uh, and AGP connector, which is, we talked about the AGP protocol, uh, listens on port 8009, and interface 0000. I think uh, this specifically talks about the AGP connector listening on this uh, specific port. I think if okay. it is exposed, it is exposed to okay. some sort of, you know, exploitation. Okay, I see. Um, What's a, a what's AGP? It's basically Apache JSR protocol. It stands for Apache JSR protocol. Mm -hmm. It's the optimized version of HTTP protocol uh, by which Tomcat actually talks to the Apache web server. I think that's where this uh, vulnerability exists. And uh, there's one um, uh, one company, basically kind of um, Shodan kind of uh, company, OneFV. They did some search mm. for this um, you know, specific devices looking for AGP protocol traffic. They found about 170,000 devices exposed with AGP connector protocol. I don't know how wow. they did. I think the way they did probably is sending a HTTP request and looking at the response back, they figured out you know they might be open to the internet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the good thing is it's been found last month but they released uh, recently to the public internet because uh, Apache already released the patches for all these versions. Okay, cool. So the fix is uh, very simple. I think uh, anybody running Tomcat needs to upgrade to the latest versions. Which is a lot of folks. <laughs> Tomcat's pretty popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty popular. And other things, if it's not uh, immediate future, it's not feasible to upgrade to the latest version, at least you, know, you can disable the AGP protocol or yeah. maybe switch on the, um, um, the interface from zero, zero to the probably loopback address. Those kind of things will minimize the risk. Right, basically check if, if you have that exposed, yeah. and if you do, fix that in some way. I think based on what they said, I think almost all the Tomcat versions are vulnerable because any version of nine to six are pretty much vulnerable. 
Uh, the, yeah, and that's a that's a huge swath. Of, uh, that's of a huge version. swath. And yeah. you and you said it. I mean, it's it's basic in the past what thirteen years. Thirteen or years. Yeah. Thirteen or thirty. One three. Okay. I was going to say 30 is nuts, uh, but I mean, uh, 13 yeah. is still pretty bad. Yeah, I think uh, Tomcat is around for 20 years, so yeah, yeah, 13 yeah. years. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Jaime, what are your thoughts on this story? No surprising. I mean, we, we have had a bunch of, you know, critical vulnerabilities affecting Tomcat in the, in the last few years. So I think at this point, if you're running a, a Tomcat, you know, server exposed to the internet, you have to, you know, be really careful and at least, you know, make sure that you have monitoring in place and you have, you know, some kind of isolation of that asset because even if it's up to date, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they're going to keep finding new new vulnerabilities in, in the next year or so. So make sure that even if you patch, you have some, you know, ways of uh, finding successful exploitation in the future and, you know, isolate those assets as much as you can. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. These, it's not, it's very common. Uh, I would say it's it's probably very likely that in the future we're going to get more Tomcat vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's old. It's at this point, it's kind of old software, but we still have researchers banging away at it, yeah. looking for different vulnerabilities. Yeah. And on this show, we've done stories about. Um, I forget the name of the actual protocols, but we've done stories about software that's that's being exploited today that researchers have found mm-hmm. exploits for today that that were used. 25 years ago, you know, almost as old as I am practically. Yeah. So it's it's not going to go away just because it's it's older and and time is right. It's going to keep happening. So and the one interesting tidbit based on internet common backbone, the view we have, actually yesterday if I look back yesterday there was a big spike in the number of uh, scan sources on the specific port. It mm. was in nine TCP, mm-hmm. but not huge. But if you compare back in the past history, like a couple of handful source IPs, to it jumped up to maybe ten to fifteen times. Yeah. So that's a huge jump. I think practical. I think uh, people are looking for uh, you know this port. Yeah. And that's indicator. I, I guess. Uh, there's a definitely increased interest on this specific port at this point of time. Yeah. And it's the right time to upgrade and maybe patch up to the latest and stable versions of Tomcat. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's always almost the right time. You should yeah. always you try and update and you should definitely always patch. But I mean, I can understand if you've got systems in production, you mm-hmm. know, upgrading to newer software is always a little scary just because it hasn't soaked yeah. all the way and maybe there are some, you know, unknowns. But you're right. The, yeah. the fix for this for folks who are you know, affected by it is update your systems, patch your systems. Um, and if you can't update, maybe check if you've got, um, if, if you're exposed on 8009, and if you are, change that. Yeah. If you are exposed on that port, you can simply take that port down and, and you know, close it so you're not exposed. So you're not, you don't actually have to upgrade, you just have to make sure that that port's not exposed. Hey, Jaime, I heard you have uh, some interesting story about uh, some of the phishing campaigns using the recent coronavirus theme. Could you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, that, that's correct. So uh, as usual, the bad guys are trying to take advantage of, you know, any opportunity they have to trick more victims into, you know, clicking on malicious links and opening malicious documents. Mm-hmm. So in this occasion, uh, we're going to talk about how cyber criminals are exploiting the coronavirus uh, crisis, and I'm pretty sure that at this point everybody is, is uh, familiar with coronavirus, so we, we are not going to explain what, what it is. But, uh, you know, we, we are going to describe how, you know, some of these campaigns that we have found 
both uh, we we have found cases cases where you know cyber criminals uh, financially motivated cyber criminals are, are trying to exploit these but also we have found a few uh, campaigns that belong to you know some of the threat actors that we track in the cyber espionage uh, group so that will be uh, you know actors that are likely a state sponsor and are using these uh, campaigns to gain you know access to you know local governments and other type of victims so in most cases, these emails uh, are coming from, um, uh, are looking like they come from government organizations such as, you know, the, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, or maybe the World Health Organization, the, uh, or even, uh, you know, things like, hey, these are the latest news about the coronavirus, uh, click here, because, you know, they, there is something new that you need to, to, to know about. So, you know, trying to exploit the sense of urgency that these type of incidents actually, you know, provoke in, 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 in people. So the first, uh, we, we have been monitoring the threat, threat landscape since January, kind of like actively looking for these campaigns because we know every time there is something like this, you know, we are going to see this activity because, you know, cyber criminals, as, as we said before, they always try to exploit this type of, you know, incident. So... The first one that we saw was actually a campaign uh, in, in late January that was targeting users in Japan. And this was uh, the Emotet malware. Uh, many of you are, are familiar with it. Emotet is one of the you know, most common uh, malware families today. They're launching uh, you know, spear phishing campaigns almost every day. And you know, usually the Emotet is, is the first stage. And that, you know, Emotet will download other payloads that, you know, sometimes it's TrickBot, sometimes it's other payload, depending on who is running those campaigns. The second campaign that we saw that followed that one was a group that we, that we call, well, the, the cyber community calls Patchwork. And, you know, this is a, a believed state sponsor of actor that it, and in this particular case was targeting Chinese users and, and corporations, and, and this was in early February. Another interesting case that we, that, that we found is, uh, you know, that, that there was a spear phishing email that we found in, in a public malware repository that was uh, likely, you know, it was looking at, it was coming from the Center for Public Health of the Ministry of the Health of Ukraine, and was delivering a bait document containing, again, like latest news about the coronavirus, and it was targeted in some local government in, in the Ukraine. Uh, we couldn't find out which, uh, you know, threat actor was behind this. It didn't kind of like match any of our, uh, you know, our clusters of, of threat activity that we, that we have. So we kind of created a new, you know, separate cluster of activity for this actor that we will continue to monitor. On top of this, we have been seeing uh, many different, uh, you know, remote access tools that so Basically, Microsoft, Microsoft Office documents that either exploiting a, a specific CV or using macros to deliver, uh, you know, different uh, rats like Remcos, NanoCore, and Parallax. Uh, so we have seen multiple campaigns. Those are usually individuals or you know cyber criminals that are you know launching one-off campaigns. So since they use uh, these malware families that are. A share in in the you know in in cybercrime forums and are, you know it's very easy to access those malware families. It's really hard to tell in those cases who is who is behind. 
But the more recently, uh, and the more recent one that we have been analyzing and keeping, you know, paying attention is one campaign that we found uh, that we suspect is related to a, a threat actor that um, proof, proof coin calls TA428. And this particular reactor has been targeting, you know, government and IT organizations in East Asia for, you know, the last couple of years. So we saw a campaign that was using this coronavirus lure as well, as well to trick uh, users. And then the last one uh, that we found a couple of days ago was the OSTAP uh, uh, malware family. So there was a campaign, again, that was targeting, targeting users in Italy. Uh, remember that Italy is, is one of the countries with more coronavirus cases, so it's very likely that the you know, threat actors are exploiting that information and try to target you know, users in some of those countries that have the more uh, coronavirus cases. And lately, um, you know, the way we have tracked this is both you know, with, with the intelligence that we have internally from AT&T Cybersecurity and AT&T Alien Labs and AT&T CSO, but also, you know, we have seen multiple publications from Cisco, from, uh, you know, and other vendors that have been talking about some of these campaigns uh, as well. And don't forget that, you know, uh, if you want to access the, the indicators of compromise and the threat intelligence related to these campaigns and others, you know, you can find all this information in, in the Open Threat Exchange. Uh, so it's otx.alienball.com, and that's where you can access all those indicators uh, that we will continue pushing uh, more indicators as we find more campaigns and updating, you know, the indicators that are already there. Yeah, that's really interesting. You, you guys have been really busy. Something like this, usually it's a, it's a little more isolated of an incident that cyber criminals tend to attack, you know, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, this particular city has some issue going on or maybe this particular country. But in this case, in the case of coronavirus, it, it's a global issue, right? It's, it's something that almost everybody is facing. So the threat landscape, so to speak, the number of people who are, you know, coercible, if you want to use the word, uh, to an email that, that says something about coronavirus is huge. There's, just, yeah. there's so many different uh, countries that you can get after and so many different uh, ways to do it. So yeah, you guys have been really busy and there's a, I'm sure there's a lot of really good information on that open threat exchange. Also, what would be the, some recommendations for average users to protect against something like this other than regular internet hygiene? Any ideas, any suggestions? Yeah, for, for users, I mean, follow your training and follow, you know, common sense, right? If you get an email from, you know, that, that has a call to action, always double check. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, things like who is sending the email, the subject, the headers. Uh, does, does it have any links? Uh, does it have any attachments? And if you have any doubts about the origin or whether or not you should click, you know, report this to your, you know, security teams or, or just ignore the email. Uh, if it's something urgent, it's very likely that it will come through, you know, another source as well. Interesting. Good yeah. point. Familiarize yourself with uh, social engineering tactics. Yeah, one of the main tenets of it is urgency mm -hmm. and playing upon fear. Yeah, so that's a good point. That's a good call out. Jaime, is if, if your email, if the email in front of you has something urgent, you know, to get in front of your face, that's yeah. that should be a little red flag. I think the theme is uh, user education and uh, trying to uh, pause and think about it. Do I need to use this specific opening, or maybe give access to the macros or not? I think that's the key point here.
Hey, Andy, it looks like you have an interesting story about TrickBot that you wanted to share. Yes, I do. Um, TrickBot is a, a very sophisticated baking malware, is what it is. Um, it likes to change. It likes to morph. It likes to mm -hmm. stay current. Um, there's been a number of stories about TrickBot adding on different features and you know mechanisms to itself. Yeah. Um, well, we have another one in the news to, uh, recently. So essentially, we have a, a researcher from Morphosic Labs actually discovered um, that a, a new version of TrickBot is actually using an, a, a new ActiveX control that's found in Windows 10. Okay. That's specifically for RDP. Um, but they're not using it for remote management, which is interesting. That's the interesting part of things. So um, typically how you would get tri TrickBot is you would get a targeted email that would contain a macro script and it would yeah. contain you know, an image that says something like, hey, you need to enable macros, and then it would have its downloader, the, the OS yeah. tap downloader, um, which is something that TrickBot has, has recently adopted as its method to get more malware on the, on the, on the system. So. The trick, the the difference here is that the the initial email is going to contain an ActiveX control okay. for that uh, Microsoft Remote Desktop, um, and when the researcher opened up the properties for that control, you see that there's a there's a, a server that, name there, which gotcha. is typically you'd put you know the server uh -huh, of the uh -huh. remote desktop that you want to add. Um, that that field is actually left blank, and it's left blank uh, intentionally so, and the reason it's left blank is later on in the in the chain, so to speak. There's a DNS lookup that goes out, and oh. it goes out looking for a blank entry, okay. and so it actually comes back as not found. And so that's actually what they use that as sort of a trigger. I see. To actually trigger the OS tab uh, bat file to then execute um, and download more malware. It's more kind of like a mutex they're using blank entry as some sort of trigger in this yeah, case. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Interesting. So yeah, so it's a little different and you know it's I mean, maybe in the future we'll see them use that actual that ActiveX control mm -hmm. as intended, where that server field is actually yeah. you know, there's something in it, it's populated. Okay. Uh, but right now it's just it's empty and they're using it as a trigger, mm -hmm. which is interesting. Does it only affect only Windows 10 systems or any other operating systems also? So right now it's actually just Windows 10 okay. and Windows, Windows Server 2016. 2016. And okay. the, reason, the reason why is that particular ActiveX control uh, is actually a new control that came out with a, a recent version of Windows 10. I see. So um, one of the things that the, the author of the researcher that discovered all this went into well, that, that I thought was really interesting was the idea of all these new updates coming onto operating systems uh -huh. introducing all these new vulnerability, potential vulnerabilities, right? Uh -huh. um, he, he mentions that there's hundreds of new controls that are wow. added, that, that were added to Windows 10. And when you talk about the Windows model sort of changing a little bit from these big releases to sort of smaller incremental ones, yeah. it becomes a little bit more of a challenge to stay on top of every single control that's added. Um, because like he says, each one of them that's added is an opportunity for an attacker to, to exploit Explore. or to use in a way that it's not intended to be used. Okay. Yeah. Wow, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Jaime, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it is definitely a neat technique and, and it's surprising that in Windows 10, you know, we, we, they are still relying on ActiveX technology. Like, you know, the, this was popular again, like, you know, 10 years ago. And it was actually, you know, a, a, a very important, uh, you know, threat vector for many of the early attacks against an Internet Explorer specifically. 
And in the past, we, we saw similar attacks where attackers were actually exploiting ActiveX uh, to do similar things. But also, I, I remember once where, where we found, uh, you know, a, a, a campaign that was actually using ActiveX, exploiting a vulnerability that will allow them to check which antivirus you were running and deciding wh whether or not, uh, you know, to trigger the exploit based on, you know, a, a set of antivirus that they didn't like. And this was all from, from the... Uh, from the browser. So, you know, similar to this case, I, I find this, this type of things fascinating that, you know, the creativity from, from, from these guys, uh, you know, finding these vulnerabilities, uh, you know, it always, uh, it, it always surprised me. Yeah, what's funny is is even right now with a Windows 10 machine mm -hmm. updated uh, with a recent version of Microsoft Word, you can still go in and you can still add in um, like a Windows Media Player ActiveX control. And in the source, you can change the URL from, you know, some video on your system or on the internet. You can change it to like some drive. And of course, when you when that document loads, it needs credentials to get into that drive most likely. And so it's going to send those credentials. But the problem is, what if what if I set it to a, a attacker controlled machine? You know, what if I put my IP in there and I'm I'm listening for that and yeah. you know now I've got like a, a net ATLM hash or something. You know, so that's this it's still it's still doable yeah. in today's world despite ActiveX controls and macros being really not used legitimately very very much at all. So it's interesting that we still we have you know sophisticated malware still relying on kind of older technology. I mean, um, because they're relying on older technology because there exist so many older devices, maybe uh, controls. Yeah. So there is no really need for them to move away from them. Maybe whatever the new technology tactics they're coming, actually they kind of complement with whatever the existing methods they are using it. Right. Yeah, th this is really interesting. Every, every, every time we hear some new tactic by either by Emotet, Emotet is basically one, one of the major deliveries for TrickBot and mm -hmm. other malware. Mm -hmm. So they're constantly evolving. They're trying to come up with new ways to basically evade detection. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And they, and they often do. Yeah, they, <laughs> they often come up with new new ways that that you know we have to play catch up on a little bit. Yeah. But uh, let me ask you, Ganesh, uh, if I'm I'm a normal person, I'm not a security-minded mm -hmm. individual. Um, how do I protect myself against something like this? I think uh, again it goes to the Jaime tool before some recommendations. I think in this case again user education is important. Mm -hmm. um, I mean forget about active controls, all those things. But if something seems to be not right, yeah. probably it's not right. Most likely. I right. think uh, that would be the best defense and when in doubt, uh, as Jaime pointed out, either we go to the security person or maybe just don't pay attention to it. If it's really needed, you will get some follow-up, some sort of follow-up to that one. Right. Um, I think that would be the best defense in this case, I, I other agree. than uh, trying to have a layered defense um, in your approach. Right, right. Yeah. From, yeah, from an enterprise perspective, there are a lot of, I mean, that, yeah. that's a loaded question, how to defend yourself, because there's, there's a lot of different things you can do. Mm -hmm. But just from a, a citizen's perspective, yeah. you know, just a normal person, you know, um, everything you said is great. Don't enable macros, you know? I, I don't think I've ever opened a Microsoft Word document that was legitimate that I needed to see okay. <laughs> that, that, you know, required me to enable macros. So just, mm -hmm. you should see that and sort of it should bring up a nice big red flag there. Yeah. You know? I think um, personally, I assume, um, I, I want to see uh, like uh, 
by default, macro should be disabled. Maybe activate controls. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Those will help a long way to the most of the users. Right. If somebody is needed, you know, then they can make a decision whether to activate or not. Right, maybe right. talk to someone who is really security savvy. Maybe administrator. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you know. I think that kind of helps a little bit. No, I agree. And I, I yeah. And if if we're throwing out suggestions there, why don't we go the uh, the macOS approach? And you know, if if you want to run an ActiveX control, you've got to enter in your admin password. Yeah. Or yeah. something, mm -hmm. you know, something that really makes the user stop and say, "Wait, maybe think, why do my pa think why, for a second? Right? Yeah. Why does this Word document need my password? That's kind of weird. Yeah, you know, um, instead of just you click on this little enable button and yeah. they're off to the races. So, Andy, let's look at uh, this week's internet weather. Let's start off with the top ten most probed ports. Um, as you can see, there are usual suspects like twenty-three. 1433, 445, ADTCP. These are all there from last time also on the th on the show. Mm -hmm. But uh, today I want to point out on um, certain things with the red arrow to go through them, like ADTCP, 443, and 555 TCP. I am also want to show you the correlation between AT and 443 from our common backbone perspective. Okay, cool. Okay. I'm interested. Okay, the, the first one is ATTCP, we all know. It's HTTP port. Mm -hmm. It's always high volume port. Mm -hmm. Maybe there are lots of exploits, maybe lots of botnets and malware use this port. Yeah. Uh, here, what we are seeing is the last 365 days worth of uh, volume. As you can see, I mean, there were big big spikes in sometime last, uh, last year's quarter, something like that. But as you can see in the last one or two months, the activity is pretty much um, at the same levels. It's gone down. Going it's leveled down. out somewhat. Yeah. 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 And let's see how the number of scan sources on this port in the last 365 days. Again, uh, there were big spikes at certain points of time. But I think in the last one or two weeks, there's a little bit, very little bit of uh, creeping in the number of uh, scan sources. But even though it's little, but in this case of high volume port, even a little spike could be results in maybe thousands plus uh, sources scanning on that. Sure. Yeah. Um, as such, not much activity. I mean, uh, activity is as usual, I say, compared to the last past few weeks. This is the GOIP map of the some of the scan sources we are seeing at some point of time. I picked up one of the reports. Mm -hmm. uh, and I grabbed the scan sources from that and tried to geomap it. And as you can see, at, the, at that point, we had about 14,000 uh, scanners all over the place. From the map, you could pretty much, you can pretty much quickly say it's highly concentrated in uh, North America, also some parts of South America, and Asia Pac, widely distributed. Yeah, it's all over the map. Yeah, <laughs> it's not tar it's not in one continent. Yeah, and some somewhere in uh, ocean ocean region also. That could be, I think. Uh, um, uh, GUIP location, latitude and longitude probably hang it, but it's not real, it's in the ocean. Right. Okay, let's move on to the next port on our list, 443. Again, it's uh, another HTTPS port, but it's port. for uh, with secure HTTP, yep. right? CLS, yeah. um, if you see the correlation, I think uh, around the same times so we've seen the spikes with the port 80 also. I, I will show you a little bit in a while. But coming back here, the number of scanners or sources on this is relatively smaller compared to port 80. 
I think uh, that's typically the trend as far as I'm looking at these uh, graphs. Typically, port 80 is a high volume port mm -hmm. compared to 443. Mm -hmm. It's always relative, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're comparing 80 and 23, you, you may always see high volume on these ports compared to some other ports like 170, 179, sorry, yeah. 179 TCP, which is BGP. Right. You may see spikes, but compared with these high number ports, the volume might be much, much lower. Yeah. Uh, again, but the only thing is, I think uh, it has a huge spike sometime, I think uh, late December, uh, late January. But looking at the last three, four days, there's a little bit spike and number of scanners happening right over this point of time. I think it's about last three, four days. Yeah. It's trying to come up. Yeah. Okay. And the number of actually scanners or sources are very small, about 1,200. Almost uh, one tenth of the scan sources we are seeing with for, port 80. For 80, yeah. Yeah. But as I said here, there might be a correlation with the port 80 and 443. I just want to see whether we have similarities from our backbone view. Okay. I try to mash up these two together and see if there's any correlation. Wow. It's like a stacked graph. Yeah, yeah. Um, the blue one is the 80 and on top of is 443. Basically, if you see around the same time, the spikes happen at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely correlation between the two. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think as we know, I think uh, these two uh, ports go hand in hand together. I think uh, based on the internet activity, yeah. we'll see the different spikes at the day same time. Mm -hmm. And with that, next I would move on to the next port, 555 TCP. Uh, debug. Uh, Android debug, uh, actually I missed uh, debug bridge port. I yeah. missed bridge. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. That's no, okay. Um, but as you see, I think uh, there's not much volume increase in this case, but except for a big spike a couple of days ago. A pretty considerable spike. Yeah. But then it went right back down, yeah. 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 <laughs> In this case, I went and went back 400 days. The reason I went back is uh, I want to capture this spike. This is uh, one of the first times we started alerting on this specific port. I think this is when uh, uh, they came up with 555 TCPs used by Android Debug Bridge. Okay. Uh, and there was an exploit for that one. So uh, to capture this one, I went past 365 days. But as you can see, that's a big spike at that time. Yeah. There was a lull again. And another, I think around this time, another exploit was released. Mm -hmm. And you see the renewed interest on that port again. Right. Right. But uh, when you look back, I think uh, the volume and the number of scanners are pretty much constant. I think uh, there are usual suspects. I think uh, whoever doing the scanning, internet scanning, those mm -hmm. set of IPs coming up. They do the scanning and they'll go back. I think pretty much every every time they're doing it, I think uh, the number of scanners are staying as close as possible. Right. But when, uh, the, for example, in this case, probably we, we might have seen new influx of scanners. That's why we saw the number, the spike in the graph here. Mm. That could be possible. Maybe the new botnet may be trying to look for new. 555 TCP vulnerable devices, or might be something existing botnet have some code changes to looking for ADB bridge. You know, those kind of stuff actually reflects that spikes in this case. Right. Interesting. 
and uh, these are the again uh, heat map of uh, I mean GIP map of uh, the sources involved with this port. Very similar to the, to the similar to the port one. 80. Yeah. yeah, but I think uh, on a little bit smaller scale. Oh yeah. But again, uh, they're wi very widely distributed, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you can see that um, from this graph also there are about ten thousand. I, I did not get the latest re report, but the one report I got, they have about 10,000 IP addresses at that time. But then the number mo pretty much more or less uh, varies between around that number. So okay. it's, it's approximate number, this uh, how many scanners are out there looking for this uh, specific port. Right. And then uh, moving on to the next graph about the most sources probing. These are the scanners basically looking for various ports. Um, and again, there are not much changes from last week as you can see here. For example, one and two, four, four, five, 23, pretty much there's not any change at all. Basically they stayed the same. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I pointed out 80, 555, uh, Already we talked about them. In this case, I wanna um, skip over these and maybe move on to different port to sure. see what we are seeing in this case. Okay. Uh, 1433, 1433 in this case actually uh, it dropped a po yeah. position here. Yeah. Uh, but while we were looking since few weeks actually this kind of picked up. Uh, 1433 and also the one of the RDP ports 3389 TCP also. Uh, we are seeing a little bit of renewed interest. As you can see in this case this was uh, on February 17th last month when I did that internet weather, uh, this is how it looked at. I think at that point there was a lull for a week or 10 days, okay. and then slowly creeping up. Yeah, you see the, you see the right at the tail end. Yes. Got that, yeah, you got that but spike. still, if you, if you look back the past 365 days, it's almost double the traffic you have seen in the past. Huge chunk. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean it went from an average of maybe two, probably, all the way up to yeah, about uh, almost, 14, uh, yeah. You know, 14,000, something like that? Yep, almost 10 times increase yeah, on an average. On an average, yeah. Yeah, uh, and this is the snapshot as of today. As you can see, mm -hmm. we caught up around this point last time, and that level seems to be continuing. I think it's it's been up there and again dropping up, again coming up. Seems to be still uh, some interest by the botnets looking at this right. because uh, there were some botnets recently which are targeting uh, 1433 which is MS SQL mm -hmm. which is this port mm -hmm. also RDP 3389 most likely uh, there they might be one or two botnets that are looking for these vulnerable ports basically for the propagation right. but still uh, we are trying to figure it out what it actually probably will have some updates as we ca as we learn more about this uh, increased activity. Yeah, uh, we'll see how long this volume keeps up. Yep. Uh, and again, uh, the GIP map of the sources, about 14,000, 15,000. More sources, yeah. Yeah, more Sounds sources. Actually, this graph actually more diversified than compared to other GIP maps. Yeah. I think it's more filled compared to other graphs. Yeah. Uh, and this is another port, 23 TCP. Um, this is also from last time. It was kind of creeping up at this time. And as you can from today, it's creeped up and again slowly fading off. I think probably it's continuing almost at the same levels. Mm -hmm. But because of that variations, it's showing up on our uh, top 10 report for the sources probing. I see, okay. 
But uh, anyway, so 23 is the most prominent port used by almost all of the botnets. Either it's IoT botnet or Linux botnet, they always target 23 TCP, followed by 22 and others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, it's surprising to see so how many devices out there still open with still. the Telnet port. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're still open on Telnet. Yep. And finally, this is another port, 81 TCP, which is typically some, most of the time, not typical, most often times used as alternate HTTP port or mm -hmm. maybe HTTP port. Mm -hmm. But this is more f infamous for used by Satori Desan, which is another IoT-based botnet. I think it derived from Mirai. I think it borrowed some codes from Mirai. I think, most, I think everyone's yeah. borrowed code from Mariah yeah. at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think if some one of the partners is successful, there are so many copycats, they mm -hmm. want to incorporate that code because yeah. it's proven. Yeah, it's tried and true code. Yeah. It's proven. It's tested. I, yeah. <laughs> I think in the case of Satori, is uh, Satori dash Jashan is basically the module they try to incorporate. For example, uh, they, they're targeting Desan servers and also GPON servers. Mm. I think every time they added new module, they added the new name to it. Basically, just like TrickBot is evolving with new techniques, they were evolving with new victim. Yeah. Um, still at the increased levels of uh, scanning is going on on this port. Um, I think uh, that's the end of my slide. Basically, I think, uh, Still, if it is 89 TCP is open, it's try to, I mean, the key takeaway is try to restrict access to that. Yeah. Okay, some sort of, uh, you know, layer in defense will actually minimize the risk. Yeah, I mean, it's generally good practice to understand what ports you are exposed, you yeah. have exposed on the internet, and mm -hmm. you should also know which should be exposed on the internet and which ports shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. So that's one of them that shouldn't be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in this case, this is one of the ports too. The views expressed on AT&T ThreatTrack are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.